HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Love Fights, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, February 20th. I'm your host, Jacqueline Raposo. And once again, for the very last time, I promise I am saying that we are not live in the studio. Ben's show out in Portland got extended for another week, and so he is finally en route or by this time home, but recuperating it just ended yesterday on the 19th. And so we didn't want to push doing a live show for today, especially given that it is President's Day. And as we've wrapped up our Power Couple series, we have been debating about how to handle the current political situation on Love Bites. We are not a political show. There are such shows on Heritage that talk about food policy. There is a new show coming up talking about food and immigration. But obviously, politics are very much imbued in friendships, romantic relationships, the work relationships that we discuss. So today, I've decided to share parts of discussions from two different shows in our past. The first is rather recent. It's from only two weeks ago, from our Power Couple series with Barca and Floyd Cardoz. They are the chef and owners of Powala Restaurant here in New York City. They are Indian-born Americans who immigrated back in the late 80s. They met in India in 1981 and then reconnected in the United States in the late 80s and have been married for 25 years. So a lot of our discussion, while I neither asked nor did they directly bring up the current political landscape, but of course, since they had moved across the world, 
and especially since Floyd had worked his way up as an Indian chef in a culture where he said he was a stranger in a strange land, their heritage, their background, their families, their style, that all was imbued in our discussion naturally. So the clip you're about to hear encapsulates how the dining scene in New York City has changed so that Powala can exist. Floyd calls it a restaurant that pays homage to Floyd and Barca's Indian roots with food seen through his modern American lens. He has worked in French restaurants, American restaurants. He was the executive chef at Danny Meyer's Tabla. He then opened North End Grill under USHG, an American restaurant where he had to utilize his love of spice a little differently. Pawala is the first restaurant he's owned on his own. So I think this is a really beautiful example just of what can change for the better with time, both on the very personal level and then in the landscape that people like me, who, you know, I, I was born the year that Floyd and Barca met, as we joked on the show, and I've only been in this food writing field for about seven years now, so I don't have the scope of understanding that they do. So it's both a very intimate story and also a very sort of universal story that they share today. So have a listen and I'll be right back. This is your first independent restaurant, but you have a very interesting perspective on the restaurant industry with your type of cuisine and how the industry itself and the dining scene in New York has changed in order to make Powala a restaurant that could be here today that maybe couldn't 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years ago when you started out. Did that put extra stress, do you feel, on your work as a chef and therefore on maybe your relationship as well as you were sort of coming up in the ranks? I'm, I'm very focused on what I want to cook. I know exactly what I want to do. I don't, I'm lucky and blessed where I can create something without having to think or plate it or cook it 15, 20 times. I do it once and I know what, what I want. Uh, you know, I'd say 25 years ago, actually 29 years ago when I came to this country, I wasn't uh, wasn't given a chance. Uh, wasn't given a chance because I was Indian. A lot of restaurants didn't want to give me a chance. So my first job had to be in an Indian restaurant. And at that point, I saw that Indian restaurant, the food was nothing close to what it is today or what it could be or what it is in India. I knew then that, A, either I'd never do Indian food again or I'd do something to change it. When I was approached by Danny Meyer to do tabla, he said he wanted an Indian restaurant, and I told him, I'm willing to cook that, but I want to cook it on my terms. I want to introduce America to flavors. Not so much now, but in the early 90s, late 90s, people either loved Indian food and flavors or absolutely hated it. And there were more people who hated it than loved it. So I, I, don't, want to, I don't want people to come in and ask for dishes, and I still don't want people to come in and ask for dishes like chicken tikka masala, which is, A, not Indian, and something that I didn't grow up with. Or even, you know, yeah, I do naans in my restaurant, but having naans that I ate a naan when I was 18 or 19. So people's palates have changed. Lucky to be in the United States because they they love flavor. They love, we are, you know, we are pioneers. We want to discover new things and we enjoy things very, very much in this country. And I love that about the United States. I love that every immigrant is allowed to come in and do what they want and people are allowed to embrace it no matter what the cuisine is, and we got, I got the chance, you know, and I'm still doing things that people have not seen in Indian restaurants before because on my travels in India, I find things that are very interesting and very simple and not overly spiced, not overly greasy, 
And I think Indian food has changed because the question that you'll ask, people will ask me, where do you go to eat? Indian, I'd say, my home. And I want to bring my home to you. And we do that uh, at Pawala. And listeners, I feel lucky for you that Pawala finally exists because for years when the question has been thrown to me where I eat Indian food, I'd say the best is at Floyd and Barca's house. Um, so Barca, how, with everything that Floyd just said, how do you feel like that journey specifically has affected your relationship and your family? Uh, we watched, I think my kids would be a party to this answer because it's been a family journey. Um, even though it's been Floyd's individual journey we he's taken us along for the ride so we've done highs and lows and new frontiers and just seeing a lot of people accepting what he does acknowledging what he does um, not just his food but his sheer diligence hard work discipline and for us as a family um, I always say this as somebody that was growing up in India in this business, I never dreamed I would watch Indian food take on the role it takes on today. Um, even these past 20 years of just watching when we first started doing Indian food at Tabla to seeing it today with the amount of chefs that are doing it and the recognition that's out there, but knowing that it all started with Floyd and his mindset and his decision to say, I am actually going to go the, low, the road less traveled and take a chance. And it's paid off big for all of us to just see that. So that was Floyd and Barca Cardoz from our Power Couple series. We had five couples in that series from January through February. And then last week, all five were put together in our Valentine's episode. So if you want to hear sort of my favorite clips from the five of them and what I, as a single 35-year-old woman, sort of aspire to from what I've learned from our five power couples, please check that episode out. And we are going to take a quick break, but before we do, I want to remind you, as always, that right now it is an extra important time to support member-supported digital radio. Uh, we have an amazing tiny little team here at Heritage that helps put out 30 plus live shows a week. They run members only events. They travel all over the country to do live coverage at festivals. And we could not do what we do without our peeps. So if you want to head to heritageradionetwork.org, click on that beating heart, make a donation. Please tell them that we sent you. We'd really appreciate it. And you can always find Ben and I on social media at As Love Bites Radio. And information about all of the shows we've done in the past, plus blog posts about dating and about singledom and about everything and <laughs> recipes from our guests and extra bits from interviews that didn't make the cut and correspondence. All this fun stuff is at lovebitesradio.com. So please find us there. Now take a break to listen to some music from our engineers and some information about our amazing sponsor this week. And I'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? 
For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh cheese curds. Or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company. The operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Glory come and glory go. Hold the line as long as we can. It's a story everybody knows. But I think we should tell it again. Welcome back to Love Bites Radio today on President's Day. So for the rest of the show, we're going to give you the first half of the show we recorded the week after the election. Now, Ben and I will just say it. um, We were very shocked with the election results. And again, in trying to figure out that week, how do we talk about this on the radio? There are layers of surrealism on top of what was already going on in our lives. Uh, This is, you know, think back to November. This is before Thanksgiving. I don't think particularly fondly about this week uh, that we were recording. It, It was just craziness this whole time. And so what we did before we brought on our guest, the first half of that show, we just checked in with each other and just asked each other how we were. And I think as someone who has this radio show and whose job it is to interview people and then write stories about them, the biggest lesson that I've had from the past couple of months is to shut up and listen. Anytime that I've not just shut up and listen, I've sort of regretted it because I've spoken too harshly or without enough thought behind what I wanted to say, and I haven't provided a safe space for others to really articulate themselves fully. And I know I get defensive when people do that to me and I don't articulate myself well. And we don't have a discussion, we have a debate. And we immediately say no rather than saying well or rather than thinking about it. We're not actually conversing with each other. And so especially with the idea of making no assumptions as to what other people are feeling or thinking or going through... I think the idea of just asking, how are you today, or what's going on, and really meaning it when you ask, and then really listening is a very simple, positive first step to sort of just connecting with other human beings right now, while we deal with whatever side of the argument we feel we are rightly on. So for the rest of the show, you're going to hear the first half of our episode the week after the 2016 election, and then I will see you at the back end of that and say goodbye. So enjoy. But first, Benjamin, what is your greatest, most immediately, most immediate struggle you're dealing with right now, today, in this moment? Starting out with an easy question. (sighs) 
Um, I think the thing I'm most stressed about in my life right now is probably the upcoming holidays. Um, I am playing the intermediary um, between family members right now at the moment over some complicated dynamics and also bringing home a girlfriend for Thanksgiving for the first time in seven years and also then going to be away from my family and my girlfriend over Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's whole thing while I'm away in Portland and I'm kind of like trying to juggle a lot of balls with family and relationship and all sorts of things that's a, that's um, as we approach the holiday season. It's intimidating to have on the horizon. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, uh, but, you know, taking it day by day. Yeah, day by day. How about you? What are you the most stressed about or what are you struggling with? Um, my body is, like, breaking down. <laughs> like Saturday within a few hours. I like um, how you laugh. <laughs> you're laughing about well, that. it's sort of funny that everything happened at once. Like, you know, I, I have a cold, and I think I, I think my eyes infected. Either that, or like I have a tumor and it's pressing against my eye, which is not a not a funny joke, but it sort of makes me laugh that idea. Like my my eye is swollen and it hurts, and um, my period came four days early, which I'm saying is my lady chromosomes angry at the world <laughs> and like and everything. Like I've been I've been keeping migraines in check. I had a migraine all day yesterday, so I was in the dark. And I think it's just a result of a, a several bad things happening in the past week um, that I just, my body is adjusting to. And so I'm, I'm most stressed about just uh, keeping that all together while I have, you know, life to deal with and, and you know, just to get, you know, you got you to get up and work. And so I just, uh, I just want to f- have that handled until I can figure out a day or a, hopefully a couple days at a time where I can just turn out and go for a walk and maybe get out of the city mm. for a couple of days and just sort of, you know, tune, tune everything out for a few days and, and rest and just restore. So I'm definitely struggling with that. Well, yeah. now that we have shared how terrible our lives are, yeah. um, maybe you could share something that you're very excited about in life. I'm really excited about the work I have right now. I've got a couple of clients I've got that I've, I'm writing my first piece for print about uh, one of the one of the pastries of Portugal, one of the islands that I'm from in Portugal, and that makes me happy. I'm writing and editing for a new website that's launching in a few weeks. It's really creative storytelling about real people, so it's combining you know creative writing with the kind of profile interview interview work I do. So that's exciting. I'm really excited about that kind of work. So um, that's why like I I want my body to behave better because I've got stuff that I'm really excited to do and share with the world. How about you? What are you excited about? My, right mine now? is a work thing too. I'm really excited about this play that I'm about I'm so to go excited to. About this play you're about um, to go do out west, and you know, yeah. as an actor, it's kind of like you don't always get to be doing your work. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to get to go and like dive in headfirst in like a really fantastic piece of writing at a really fantastic company in a really fantastic theater space where I know I'm going to really feel taken care of and supported as an artist um, and get to, you know, have an opportunity to do really well what I love to do most. Yay. So, listeners, um, we wanted to start the show that way because this, this show is not about politics and it's not about what's going on sort of in the world at large. It's about love and relationships and communication and relationships. And so when we've been sort of, people have sort of asked us how we were going to handle the results of the election and things like that on the show and listening to how other Heritage Radio show hosts have handled it, 
we all we could come up with is how do we show some little extra love? And I think part of how we do that is just checking in with people and not making assumptions about what they're stressed about or how they're feeling, but just asking how people are feeling and, and listening and sharing how people are doing. So that's what we sort of want to talk about for a few minutes today, how we can show love to those around us, especially those who are hurting and those of us, there are a lot of people in our circles right now who are struggling very, very much with um, issues related to the election results last week. So, um, so Ben, what have, let's maybe say a couple things that we've seen that have made us feel good the past week that, and you know, ways that people are showing love a little bit more, um, you know, more visibly or in ways that were, we found to be a little bit more profound or supportive. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's, it comes down to listening. Um, and I think the more I feel listened to, the more I'm willing to listen. Um, and I think there has been a tendency to listen a little more now, especially when there's a lot of uh, things that people don't understand about others. Right. Um, I think there I've seen and what has been effective for me, I've also seen the opposite, but I've, I've seen and what has been effective for me is seeing people reach out with a willingness to understand and to listen and to, um, to cultivate empathy. Mm. That's a really good way of, of saying it. Have you seen anything that struck you as particularly effective? I've seen so many things. Well, first, I want to give credit to, to you and people like my brother. Like, there have been men in my life who've recognized how hard this, how much this meant to women who are still trying to sort of stake out our place in certain realms of the world. And especially with a candidate like our president elect who has said some very horrible things about women in his past and made a lot of women feel unsafe. And I think a lot of women are feeling unsafe and a lot of people are feeling unsafe right now. Um, you know, at, on Wednesday night, I met you and, and your girlfriend and you just at one point gave us a hug and told us you were sorry about that aspect and that you recognized it. And that meant a lot. And my brother on the phone, when I spoke with him, you know, he said he's not, you know, he doesn't normally wear his, you know, emotions on his sleeve and he's doesn't normally talk about feelings and things like that. But he pointed out that the hardest thing for him was seeing how this was affecting the women in his life. He's like, I've got three sisters. I live with my girlfriend. I have a lot of female friends and I'm seeing them being destroyed. And that's been really, he was pointing out how hard that was for him, which meant something that he was noticing and that that was affecting him. And so, um, and there have been other men, like one of my male editors texted me Wednesday morning, just wanting to send you a hug. Like just that recognition of what this meant to a lot of women, uh, was really, really helped. Um, that was one thing. And then I want to point out, even on the way here today, I ran into so the subway therapy guy. A lot of people in New York are tagging or using the hashtag subway therapy. There's a guy, uh, his name is Levy, who's, he started this six months ago, but it's picked up a lot of momentum this past week where he has post-it notes. And you can, on this, in the subway track between the one, two, three lines and the LFM lines on 14th street, uh, you can put up post-it notes saying anything you need to say. A lot of people are putting up like, I want my voice to be heard, Lo you know, things about love, venting frustrations and, uh, it's subwaytherapy.com. And he said he started it just because he wanted people to have a place to express themselves in the past week. A lot of people, he said a lot of friends of his were devastated and felt like their voices couldn't be heard and that they just needed a place to be able to, you know, see that and to, to have their words, you know, up for other people's to see. And so that I think was just a great way to put, you know, people just putting a little extra love out there in the world. Um, so those are two things this week that definitely 
made me feel good. Yeah. And I think too, like one thing people can do, I'm certainly no expert, but practicing self-love I think is always important. But I think particularly in times that are difficult, taking care of oneself and, you know, taking time for yourself and um, not being hard on yourself and yeah. giving yourself credit and cutting yourself some slack um, can be one way in which we can then be able to bring our best selves to other people. Right. And I think when, when bad things happen, whether we're talking about what happened this past week or in general, I think our tendency is to sort of like, you know, move on, like brush it, you know, like pick yourself up and move on. And sometimes that that picking yourself up and moving on, if it happens too fast, it's more like you're just... You're not brushing, really moving on. You're not really <laughs> moving on. You're not really picking yourself up. You're more just like, you know, brushing things aside or pushing things down. And so, you know, when things get really bad, let yourself be angry about them or sad about them or wallow in them. Like a lot of people I know are just letting themselves cry. And the time will come when you are, re- when you are ready to pick yourself up and move on and do something, when you are ready for emotion to become action then emotion can come, can become action. But like, you're right, just give yourself time and patience and, and whether that is doing something good for yourself or another person, you know, just, yeah, self-love is important when things are really bad. And that's not, that doesn't mean doing things that are destructive or negative or, you know, like doesn't give you free reign to like sit in a bottle, you know, with a bottle in a corner necessarily, you know, like make smart choices for yourself, even though a lot of us were sitting in bottles with corn, you know, with bottles in corners, like that's, that's fair sometimes do. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, be careful with your bottles in the corners, all I'm saying, but like, you know, just, yeah, give love to self and others. Uh, can we maybe think about one way that we can try to give a little extra love out in the world this week, Ben? Can that be our sort of challenge we can ask Jane at, at the end of the show, too? Sure. Do you have an idea for yourself? I don't. Can you go first? Do you have one? <laughs> uh, um, I mean, again, I think for me it is it is practicing more compassion for myself. Um, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend about this last night, actually, about just, like, how hard I'm being on myself in so many areas of my life. And it pertains to, like, what we were talking about a little bit earlier, too, when you asked right. me what I'm stressed about. But I think that just, like... Having patience with myself, um, I think, will allow me to have more patience for others and feel a little more comfortable and safe in the world and also have a little more tolerance for other people's dissatisfaction and fears and um, anxiety and all of that. If I feel more grounded and comfortable with myself then I can be a much better listener than if I'm focused on all my own Mm. issues. Yeah. The idea of feeling safe in the world, we're going to talk about that a lot today with Jane regarding family love. And I just, I've been struggling with the idea of feeling safe in your skin and safe in the world a lot lately with everything and with what I'm doing with, (laughs) with my year of abstinence.com. That's been, I'm doing no sugar, no booze right now. So that's been a really, really interesting week if you guys want to check that out, it's myyearofabstinence.com. I've been writing about facing the world, you know, sober without... I just feel like if I didn't have sugar or booze, I wouldn't be ingesting anything. <laughs> I'm sort of not, actually. That's been sort of like, I'm basically down to... I don't know. I don't even want to talk about that. I'm sort of not really eating or drinking much right now. But um, my thing, I guess, is sort of, in a way, the opposite, that I just want to be patient. I'm gonna, I think it goes back to the no assumptions. When I, A lot of people are hugging 
a little bit more and a little bit longer. Um, Thursday, I had to like I work from home, so I had a lot of time by myself and a lot of time in my head. And I needed to leave my apartment on Thursday, and I went downtown to my arts club to work just to be around people. And the owner in the front was giving just everybody walking in was just giving a hug and holding a hug and asking people how they were doing. And that was a gift right there. And I want to I want to have I want to be the person that gives that gift too, and just asking people how they're doing and just listening. And whether it has something to do with this past week or not, just. Hugging, holding the hug, and asking people. Expressing love physically is just so powerful. And I think something that, you know, I don't focus on maybe enough or I don't necessarily always um, consider the power that a hug or even just a gentle, loving touch can hold remember in the first season when we're like assume everything is flirting i feel like from now on i want to be like assume the person wants to hug which isn't actually not which is not a good actually no i'm taking that back already because that's not a safe body space not everybody likes to be touched so but if you all right i'm gonna have to rethink about that slogan actually (laughs) but if the person does want to hug you really hug the person i'm amending this yes if somebody if you're hugging somebody really give love with a hug I think that's better, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think your, your sentiment is... I was, thinking about, I was the... thinking about consent, and I was thinking, you know, I think my... Uh, anyway. I think your heart is in the right place. My heart was in the right place, but my politics have to be behind it, too. So, um, all right. So, I, I, I think, no, yeah, no. and I think it's, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about finding love in different places throughout the city, Um just a moment ago, and I think it would be nice because we're trying to find ways in which showing love can be effective to others. If you, our listeners, wouldn't mind... So that was the first half of our episode, Home is Where the... dot, 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 question mark, with author Jane Allison. That was number 52, if you want to check out the full episode with her. Um, That is our show for today. Happy President's Day. If you would like to check out all of the shows we've done, this is now number 63 episodes. You can get them at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can find out information about all of our episodes at lovebitesradio.com and on social media as at lovebitesradio. Next week, I promise, Ben and I will be back in the studio together starting our series on endings, but it's not all sad. We're starting out with The Optimist's Guide to Divorce. We've got Suzanne Riss and Jill Sockwell, the authors and the founders of the Maplewood Divorce Club, live in the studio with us, talking about their friendship through the endings of their marriages. So please tune in next week for that. Until then, thank you as always to our engineers, David and Victor. Our theme song is Give Love by the loveliest Josh Dion. I am Jacqueline Raposo, and I cannot wait to have my co-host Ben Rosenblatt back with me next week. Please join us at the same time right here at heritageradionetwork.org.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.